Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99 at participating U.S. restaurants. Price may vary. Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast, the Masters Class. Here we are with our Masters of the Ring, Mark Henry, Bully Ray, Tommy Dreamer. And this past week on Busted Open, it's been 80s week. And each and every day we had a different 80s superstar throughout the week. And a lot of those superstars and wrestlers have influenced generations of wrestlers that came after them. So I thought today would be a good day where each one of you will pick one wrestler from the 80s that influenced you and maybe gave advice to you with your career. So I know I have a couple people from the 80s that I'm going to talk about with what I do here on Busted Open, but I'm sure Mark, Tommy, and Bully, you're going to have some influencers in your career. So Tommy, let's start with you. Somebody from the 80s that definitely gave you advice along the way. When this topic was uh, hit to me, I had to really think back. You know, at first I'd I'd say Dusty Rhodes and Terry Funk, but they didn't start in the 80s. And then I really had to think about, and it wasn't a hard think. There's two people that helped me. Uh, One started in the 80s is Paul Heyman, even though he wasn't a wrestler, but helped me so much in learning this industry and behind the scenes and really uh, was the first person to really, really believe in me. But when we're talking about wrestlers and the first person to not only offered me advice, but really, really helped me along the way was uh, Cactus Jack McFoley and early Tommy Dreamer that was struggling to get over as a baby face. Mick really, really helped me with the becoming hardcore. And I mean, you go to Mick's best-selling books as well as Mick talking about his favorite promos came from ECW and they were all generated towards me and Mick turning his back on his hardcore fan base was a big risk. Now we all talk about wrestlers reinventing themselves or changing their persona. That's what Mick Foley did. And he did that to help me and I'll be forever indebted to Mick and will support Mick through anything he does because of how he really helped me and we tagged together and then he turned on me and he really, really helped me in a time that helped me get to the next level as well as putting together matches. I realized how giving he was as a performer and was unselfish as a performer to help not only get his opponent over, but the match over. So Mick Foley for me was that wrestler that went above and beyond 
his way to help me. And he's helped a lot of others that way as well. Yep. Hardcore legend, bully, somebody from the eighties that helped and influenced you and maybe gave you some advice along the way. Well, I, I can't just put my finger on one. I'm going to give you a couple real quick and, and tell you what they did for me. Obviously, Heyman is one. Heyman is probably the biggest one. I've learned so much from Paul. Paul taught me and Tommy and everybody else who came through that ECW locker room so much, whether it was inside the ring or out of the ring, the business of pro wrestling and the nuance of it. When I think of actual wrestlers who helped me the most, I I, I really... It's not that I struggled to think, but I tried to go with the two names that popped into my mind first. And the first one that popped in was Jim the Anvil Neidhart. And Jim Neidhart uh, worked with me. I was an enhancement talent. This is early 90s. I got fed to Neidhart on some indie show. And I remember speaking with Jim beforehand, and we had a lot in common. Um, we were both shot putters in high school and college. And that was our common ground and getting to talk to Jim Neidhart on a personal level. He was a big deal at the time. I'm just, just getting my feet wet in the wrestling business. And I'm having this great conversation with him and I'm like, Oh, this is going to be the greatest match ever. This is going to be awesome. Jim Neidhart likes me. Uh, This is going to be the best. Well, then the bell rang. And Jim Neidhart beat the shit out of me, stretched me, beat me up, clotheslined my head off, pulverized me, stacked me, packed me, pinned me, and sent me packing. And then when we got into the back, I went up to him and I said, thank you, sir, you know, and, you know, any advice? And then he pulled me on the side and he sat me down. And he told me every single thing that I did wrong in that ring and how I could have been better. And that was a big learning experience. It was a twofold learning experience. First, kid, I'm going to beat the shit out of you because everybody deserves to have their ass handed to them when they're green and young, because you have to be able to handle the physicality of this business. This business is going to be very difficult to you and your body needs to become one giant callus. And Jim Neidhart was more than happy to help callus me physically. And I'm sure Mark and Tommy to attest can attest to everybody deserves to get beat up a little bit in this business. But, you know, the second part was that he actually sat down and he taught me. I've experienced guys who have done things to me and then never really educated me on it. And I, I, I never, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've always uh, thought very poorly of those people. So Neidhart was one and Bigelow, Bam Bam Bigelow, God rest his soul. And God bless the Anvil soul also. Uh, Bam Bam Bigelow. Bam Bam t- took me on the side as a young boy in the ECW arena. He taught me how to lace my boots correctly. He would watch my matches. He would get, he would, he tried to teach me how a big man was supposed to work. And I was about 402 pounds at the time. So I was a big man, but I was athletic and I, I seen the pictures. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was athletic and I could move around. And I think Bam Bam saw just a little bit of himself in me as an athletic big man. And he took the time to educate me. So Heyman, Anvil, Bam Bam Bigelow, those are the guys from the 80s that I that that really came to mind who took the time to help me out. Marcus. Hey, hey, uh, I'm going to call you Mark right here. 
hey, I need you to stop patting yourself on the back because it wasn't many guys that was athletic like Bam Bam. I don't know. Listen, I, it's, I can count them on one hand. Bam Bam was a special athlete. He was a Randy Orton-esque athlete without being uh, 240 pounds. He was 300 and whatever. Bam Bam was special. I, I grew up going, how can he do that? Like, I thought it was magic. Hey, a testament to uh, my heavyset friend who was in his 400s, and this indie wrestler gave him a backdrop and lost him, as well as taking superplexes. He used to throw one picture-perfect drop kick and a dive over the top rope. It all ended when he hurt his ankle in Japan, which I told that young boy not to do, but his athleticism early on was on par, and I wrestled Bam Bam, too. Uh, on par with Bammers as well. Wow. Hey, uh, I'm telling you, Tarzan Goto ended that. But, uh, hey, other quick real story. I had to wrestle Dick Slater for, in the Bahamas. I remember going up to Taz. I kept on going up to Dick Slater, and he never talked to me. And I was like, Taz, this man hates me. Taz, oh, my God, I'm going to have the worst match ever, blah, blah, blah. He led me through a really good match, and then at the end talked to me to tell me how to be better never touched me once or heard me because I was decent in the ring and followed his lead. But it's so different where he was nice to you and then beat you up. And Slater was so mean to me. And I remember like stressing out, why is this man not talking to me about anything? And he didn't even say hello. He just kept nodding his head. And then we went out there and he was, he was great. What a rib. There you go. <laughs> what about you, Mark? Man, y'all gonna y'all gonna y'all gonna be like, oh my god, he's not very popular uh, with anybody, and uh, his name is Jim Carnett. And I came in, I saw Jim Carnett in in Louisville in two thousand and ninety nine two thousand when I first went there, and he's, I, I was like, oh my god, it's Jim Carnett. I'm kissing his ass. I'm like, I can't believe this. It's Jim Carnett. And he's like, hey, um, I need you to stop being a fucking Mark. <laughs> okay. But, but my name is Mark. <laughs> but, but my name is Mark. And uh, he said, so you you love wrestling? I was like, yeah, man, I, I grew up loving wrestling. And I mentioned somebody, and I said, damn, I can't remember his name. But he, he used to work in Mid-South and this and that. And he was like, listen. Don't ever say that again. I said, say what? That I don't I don't know his name. He said, if you don't know somebody, don't talk about them. He said, you need to learn to study wrestling, not be a fan of it. And he said, here, I'm going to give you these books. And he gave me like three wrestling books. And then he said, hey, I got an archive in my house. Videos. Well, it wasn't videos, it was VHS tapes and reel-to-reels. And he said, you come over there anytime, but I need you to know these fucking people's name and don't disrespect the business again. He's like, it's okay to be a fan. I'm a fan, but I need you to know it now. You're in it. You have to be a professional. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, I just got fussed at by Jim Cornette. <laughs> Not realizing that Jim Cornette fusses at everybody. And... But he opened, he started giving me a weekly, he gave not just me, but everybody, a weekly pamphlet on 
Danny Hodge or who Luthez was and who Bruiser Brody was. And like he, he, the full gambit of pro wrestling. And then he gave us the 60s, the Killer Kowalskis. Then he gave us the 70s. Then he gave us the 80s. And um, he's like, you know, y'all watch the 90s now. I'm not going to get into this. It ain't even real wrestling no more. You know, Jim. And he he made us study and know the names and respect the business. That's why I would say that the guy that had the most influence on who I am as a historian of wrestling, uh, not just a fan of wrestling, was Jim Cornette. You, know, I, you talked. You talked about Cornette giving you the books to help you out. Um, I Cornette burned a DVD for me one time. I was telling Dave about this last week on the air. Uh, I had never really watched Memphis. I didn't get it. M Memphis to me was always a bit corny, um, it's a little hokey. But yeah. but, but I, I stole a lot from Memphis. And it was a great territory. I just didn't realize it until I got a lot older in the wrestling business. Cornette made me a DVD of the best of Funk, Dundee, and Lawler and the matches that they had against one another. And I could not believe the magic uh, that I was watching because these guys, whether it was Lawler versus Funk or Lawler versus Dundee, they weren't doing anything in the ring. They weren't, they were punching, they were kicking, they were selling, they were registering, and it was all about the facials. And I'll be damned if those people weren't coming unglued. The beauty of the simplicity of what was being done in the ring. And I learned a lot just by watching that DVD. So I could understand how you would pick Corny of having a big influence on you. My, my favorite wrestling spot in the entire wrestling gambit is a tag team spot. And it's called a Tennessee corner spot. And... I mean, shit is going down between the two guys that's in the ring. And that guy goes to shoot a guy into the turnbuckle and his partner jumps across the turnbuckle. So he cushions the blow of his partner. So his partner could come out, clothesline or punch that guy and turn the tide. The storytelling of Memphis, the storytelling of Tennessee wrestling was those things it was a lot of that and it sums it up in a, in a nutshell there's a hundred of them a hundred spots of tennessee wrestling maybe more and it was jim Cornette that introduced me to that otherwise i might have gotten it later on but how many people would i have pissed off or disrespected if it wasn't for jim Cornette saying hey don't mention this guy if you, just because you saw him and liked it, know his name, know where he came from, know why he became. And uh, I, I, I appreciate that. Dave? Yeah, and, and we're, all, we're on, obviously, talking about 80s, and this is coming off the heels of 80s Week on Busted Open. If you missed any of those interviews, they're available here on the Busted Open podcast, also the SXM app. And somebody who got his start in the 80s in Mid-South and later on in World Championship Wrestling, not as a wrestler, but on the microphone, and that's Jim Ross. And Jim Ross is somebody that's been on our show 
dozens of times throughout the 13 years that we've been on the air. But I remember interviewing him early on. And he after the interview, he took me aside. And he gave me a little bit of a pep talk, not only about the radio show, but about the wrestling business. He didn't need to do that. I was, you know, new to the world of pro wrestling. And he's, you know, the greatest play-by-play announcer of all time. But Jim Russ really taught me more than anything else about this community of pro wrestling. Obviously, Bully, Mark, and Tommy, you guys have taught me more than I could ever, ever put on uh, in paper. It would fill a book how much you guys have taught me about the world of wrestling. But he was the first person that told me about the community that is pro wrestling. And it was from him that I learned about, listen, we all have to promote each other. We're only as healthy and as strong, as popular as this business is. And there's always going to be ebbs and flows to pro wrestling's popularity. But, And I think we're feeling the effects of it right now, a lot of it with social media, about certain fan bases fighting with one another. Well, that's only going to cripple this industry. Uh, You know, we need to really be strong. Jim Ross was the first one to really teach me about that. That's why I'm busted open. You know, guys, we always promote everything, whether it's a WrestleCon or a podcast or an event or anything, I, I'll always promote. Nothing is competition to me. We're all part of the same wrestling community. So for me, it's it was Jim Ross. I think um, all good picks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I would like to say that uh, I had two matches in 1989, have been undefeated in the 80s, and I'm very shocked neither of you picked me. Just want to tell you I'm a little hurt uh, from that. So uh, who, what, wow. who, who did you work with in the 80s? Uh, Curly Man Mo was my first ever match. <laughs> Curly Mo, that's a stout individual. And my second one was Mighty Mark Adams from uh, LA Gear of uh, fame. That was my second one. I was undefeated in the 80s, guys. Just saying. No, not everyone had it. No, wait, 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 wait. LA Gear or LA Gore? LA Gore. He became LA Gear on Monday Night Raw television. You know, L- Mark from LA uh, Gore. He was a known bouncer throughout the years at Long Island City. Yeah. But just shocked you guys didn't pick me. That's all. I'm just saying. L.A. Well, Gore worked for IWCCW. But didn't you didn't... like our picks, Tommy? I loved your picks. Um, I, I, listen, they're all – I think that I understand my life 100%, and I think if you guys really sit back and think about it, it's through our experiences why we're so passionate about wrestling, as well as we were fortunate enough to have people help us, and that's why we always want to – we give it back to the industry. Yeah, that's that's true. That's how the industry – will continue to strive when you have people like that because there was a lot of men and women that were not like that. And it was, oh, this is yeah. my spot and I'm protective of it. But that's through their own insecurities. And I don't think anybody on this panel is very, very insecure. And we all want to see everybody do well. And that's why a lot of people throw our names up. And I think when we're gone and this show is still going on, it's going to be what wrestlers in the 90s helped you, and I think our names will come up in that category. I learned that, dude, at, at the Dave LaGreca Comedy Roast. I literally sat there and I said, wow, we had uh, Bianca put over Mark. Camille puts over um, Bubba. And then Camille's like, hey, Lita is my favorite. And I'm like, I helped Lita. Like it was all this like circle of all these people like helping each other. Or then DDP's talking about Dusty 
and like how Dusty was my influence. And now it's just, there's, it's great that the business has people like this. And uh, that's all. You still should pick me, one of you, just saying. Well, you know, Tommy, I, 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 I love you. You my second that? pick. Oh, yeah. thanks. 2-0 two, two in the 80s, Tommy Dreamer. Uh, Mark, Bully, and Tommy, thank you so much. I love doing the Masters. Thank Spice. you, Dave. You know what? Thank you, guys. Uh, th- thank you so much for listening to Busted Opens, the Masters class. Make sure you subscribe and rate our podcast. Tell your friends it's free. Um, but if you got a little change in your pocket, make sure you listen to us Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern time on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. And also, make sure you check out all our videos on the SXM app. And while I'm at it, make sure you go to podswag.com slash bustedopen for all our merchandise. Hats, hoodies, t-shirts, glasses. It's amazing. Make sure you go to podswag.com slash bustedopen. For Mark Henry, for Bully Ray, for Tommy Dreamer, this is Dave LaGreca. We'll talk to you next week on Busted Opens, the Masters. Busted Open is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. The executive producer is Paul Earle. The digital producer is Gabby Laspisa. Andre Viola is the associate producer. Marissa Rivas is the director of Fight Nation and Sports Podcast. Special thanks to Senior Vice President of Sports and Podcast, the legendary Steve Cohen. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.